Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group. Featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents, you'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, it's Greg Harrelson here coming at you with another episode of the Level Up Podcast. Of course, Level Up Podcast is all about leveling up from agent to entrepreneur. So I've got a great guest, Sean Rogers, with me today. And he would be, what I would say is, it's kind of a perfect example or testament as to what Level Up Podcast is all about, meaning gets into the business and he and, and he's an agent, he's doing well, but he actually takes a more entrepreneurial approach, builds a team, doing quite a bit of transactions. So I'm excited to just dive in with Sean and, uh, and talk with you and, and, and get some tips and that we can share with the, the audience. So, so, Sean, thank you for being here. Um, if you could just kind of start us off real quick and just give the audience a little bit of an idea of where you are, how long you've been in the business, maybe some production uh, uh, numbers so they can kind of put things in perspective. And we'll dive into to figuring out what, uh, what we can do to share some good money-making tips. Thank you, Greg, and thank you for having me. Yeah. I think to answer the question about how long, I think I've been in and around real estate since I've been 17, plus or minus. And, uh, you know, no harm in saying I'll be uh, 51 next week. So there's the math. Um, Couldn't think of a better profession to be in. And I honestly say it, Greg, that I enjoy what I do every day, probably since day one. Yeah, that's from my heart. Well, anybody that's watching this on video is not going to believe you're 51. And I say this, I'm 49. So I'm stressing the 50 thing, right? So I'm going to say this because I wish somebody would say it about me. But if anybody sees this video, and they're not just listening to the audio version, you actually have like a 35 year old face. Thank you, sir. (laughs) I I guess doing a lot of deals keeps you young. Makes you happy. <laughs> That's right. So where are you? Um, you know, if somebody was to ask me where you are, I'd say Phoenix, right? Because it's just easier to narrow down a market to a big one city name. But I know you work way more than Phoenix. Can you just share where your marketplace is? Yes, uh, Phoenix proper, but exactly as you worded it, that's the best beacon to give people a general idea of where we are. But being the team in general covers the majority of the East Valley. Okay. Central Phoenix, as most people would recognize and understand it, and then the West Valley as well. So it encompasses a a very large area, and that's not much like your area. That doesn't mean we don't have the proper connections or agents to expand further north or south, which would, for you or the listener, maybe Flagstaff for the snow or Tucson closer to the the border. Yeah, I'm the same thing. You know, like everybody says, okay, or I always say I'm from Myrtle Beach, but the reality There's Myrtle Beach, there's Conway, there's Longs, there's Loris, there's North Myrtle Beach, there's Surfside. We cover that whole region, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing. So hopefully people, if they have referrals, they'll send them in that, that direction. What about production? Because you're, you're, you're a team, you've built a team, and, and it's, you've, you've done a really good job. So I think you were mentioning to me earlier, um, you may finish out somewhere in that 250, maybe even 260 uh, transaction uh, level. Is that about right? That sounds about right, Greg. That's what we're on target for. I will always suggest, and if I can help again, the audience, that's what we do is 
and not to sound cliche, but customer service first. So turning volume up or turning volume down is just basically, I guess, how much or how hard you want to work it. But right now, yep, I would say we're on track for that number, plus or minus the difficulties or the uh, smooth sailing of each transaction. Yeah. You know know what I want the audience to pick up on is, and I picked up on this the last time we, when we first met. Um, And I just, it's just interesting how you just said this, you know, I'm sitting here talking about your production and then you're just wanting to make sure that it's clear that your production is really tied to the service that you're providing to your clients. And I don't want to overlook that statement that you made because you said it not intentionally, or you did, but you said it subconsciously, which tells me a lot about how you run your business, that you, pro- you must be consumer focused in order for you to just have those words come out. Um, why don't we just kind of talk about that a little bit? Like, you know, what is, what is good service? What, is the, what have you learned and what do you feel the role of the agent is these days when it comes to providing value and service to the consumer that allows you to grow your business being consumer centric? Great questions, Greg. I think at the root cause, we can say you've most agents, they've taken their courses, they've passed their tests, there's a code of ethics. Yeah. I believe underlying that is your moral code, meaning if you help people, and again, perhaps cliche, but over the years, I believe you truly get when you give. Yeah. So for our team, and I say this again humbly, we could triple the team members, we can cut them in half. It's not so much for me more, but the quality of how we help a client. As you know, you're one of the top, if not the top agents where you're located. Referrals are everything. And if I could tell anything to any agent out there, if you take care of that client, the business will just continue on a good path for you. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely scale uh, your business a lot faster if you're um, if you're doing a deal. If you have if you find somebody and you have a closing, and you do that over and over again, and then the people that you close actually send you more business, and then those people that close send you more business, it really can be compounded, right? It, and, absolutely. And I, I think, and I, you may agree to this. A lot of the agents in today's market, I think they're so focused on getting their fishing pole ready, getting that hook in the water, getting that fish in the boat, and then like moving on and let's push the client aside, do the transaction, but just spend 90% of the time trying to figure out how to get more fish. And I think we're missing the boat because especially when relationships become so important to the future of our business, um, that means referrals. Absolutely, Greg. Absolutely. From the bottom of my heart, again, I say that over and over, that if you take care of the client, you take care of the customer, the checks, the closings, the referrals, they're just going to keep coming because you did, you kept your word. And in this business, in most businesses, that's the kicker to success. Yeah. So what, out of your transactions, about what percent of your team transactions are buyer side versus seller side? You know, I think we're blessed in the sense that we're, you know, going off quick numbers halfway through the year or thereabouts, I would say we're probably 65% buyers, 35% sellers in this market here. And I won't dive into it unless, of course, if you want me to, but we have a lot of iBuyers here. Yes. Um, So that kind of tweaks our numbers a little bit one way or the other. Uh, I don't consider them, quote, direct competition, but in essence, they do infiltrate the selling part of the transactions. 
Yes, yes. Now, are you, um, I, and, and I know iBuyer program is huge. It seems like if anyone's going to test anything, they test it in your market. <laughs> you, know, so, um, you know, I know that a lot of agents in that area, I don't know them personally, but I, I've heard and talked to a lot of agents that have really had to make adjustments in the way that they do business. And I know a lot of people are, will, will, will get a listing and they submit it to the iBuyer programs to get that quick offer. And they're guaranteeing their clients, you know, I'm sure it has in your market. I'm guaranteed to have you an offer within 24 hours. A lot of those things are happening. So you're 65% roughly buyer side driven. Um, one of the things that, that I've noticed about teams that are doing a little bit more buyer side than listing side is that they end up transitioning over, over the years where it actually switches to actually more listing sales. And, and it's not because all of a sudden they say, oh, I don't want to work buyers. I'm just going to start prospecting. It's because every one of your buyers is a future listing. Absolutely. So have you experienced that? And, and I think what could really be interesting is like, are there any things that you could share with us that will help those people that are working all these buyers and they're just thinking, I'm just buyers, I'm just buyers, I'm just buyers. They're missing that opportunity for future listings. How can we make sure that we capitalize on those and, and get those future listings in five or six, seven years from now? I think one of the best and most successful ways that we have approached that particular um, game plan would be to follow up with the clients, not on a nonstop basis, but if they purchase the house, on using today's date, mm-hmm. knowing that we're the professionals, follow the trend, see where they are, and every now and then kindly remind them that this may be a good time either to upsize, downsize, cash out, or just take an overall snapshot yeah. of where their property value will or won't be. And I personally sometimes <laughs> reach out, Greg, just to say hi and just Kindly remind them of little household tips that they may want to look into. Call it out here. The air conditioner is a big, a big one. Mm-hmm. Pool maintenance is a big one. But little things that keep them ahead of the game. That way, I'm still presence of mind. So you do, that, way. you do that by phone, email, uh, Facebook, uh, texting. You know, what is your preferred methods for that? Me personally, I like the phone. I enjoy talking. But, <laughs> but on the second note, you know, the email puts it more in writing, text, a quick snapshot reminder. But I think, and again, being a team or team lead, as the leads are distributed through the team, and we could talk about that if you want, but yeah. traditionally, each client that I assigned to a particular agent based on the location, I, I would say the, the lion's share of staying in contact with those clients would be through the team, so, and they yeah. traditionally do it via an email through their CRMs. Yes, through our uh, CRMs. Yes, understood. Yeah, that, that that's that's really good. And again, it's worth mentioning because you won't believe how many agents that um, will classify themselves as buyers agent, or we would uh, the consensus would be their buyers agents, um, and they're they're not positioning themselves today to actually in the future, obtain all those listings. I say that every transaction, at a minimum, every buyer sale should be a minimum of two commission checks, if not three, meaning you make the commission when you sell them the property, you make the commission when they sell the property eventually, and you get a referral somewhere in between. 
right? Cool. So you get a referral in between the two transactions. So, you know, some people that, you know, say, oh gosh, I really wish I was doing listings. Whittle wasn't stuck with all these buyers. No, no, no. The, the listing, if you only have the listing, usually that's one check and possibly a referral, but the buyer side should be three commission checks. So good, good for you. I'm glad to see you're scaling your business in that way. Thank um, you. Uh, uh, you know, we were, we were chatting before about online leads. And I think online leads has become, I mean, listen, everybody is like it or not, is dealing with online leads. They're either paying for them and getting them in, or they're trying to figure out how to build their own widget to, to get them in. Um, I would assume you, you, I know that you're doing some online leads. You have some online leads. I think one of the companies, or I know one of the companies is Home Home. Home ASAP. It's homeasap.com. I always say home ASAP. I don't know why. Yep. Um, and I've used them too in, uh, for lead generation. But what I'm going to ask you is online leads in general. What type of quality, not by any lead source, but what do you, how do you feel about online leads? How do you feel about the conversion of online leads? And what are some things that your team does to make sure that you're profiting from online leads? Great question, Greg. And, and the answer, I, we absolutely dabble in the world of online leads. And it's, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's a necessary evil. Yes. This came about. And to go backwards a little bit, um, not to date myself, but the, the pager was going to put me out of business, I believe. The fax machine was absolutely going to be my demise. Um, then when the internet came around, it was probably time to look for a different profession. And what, I, what I've always grasped or embraced is, is change equals opportunity hmm. and growth and options. So to tie that back into online leads and the quality of them, or maybe quantity and or, and or both, when I look at an online lead, I kind of look at it a lot like, and without going into a different field, a mutual fund. Some leads you can get are going to be lower dollar value, but a higher quantity. Some you're going to pay a higher dollar for, but more information. But overall, if you understand, and I say this all the time, Greg, and it's one of the almost opening lines when I'm speaking, is leads are like gold mines. They're only as good as the person working them. Yeah. So with that, follow-up's key, as you know, making the calls, making the texts, following up. And not everybody that walks into any given store, and I use a Best Buy for an example because everybody's heard of them. Not everybody walks in today and walks out 15 minutes later with the TV and surround sound. They, some do the research, some see other products, some see options, some want to recalculate where they are. So I take that concept with leads and understand that many times people are just without naming names. For example, Homes ASCP is a great location. But if they're clicking on certain social media sites, they may or may not have been looking at the family picnic two minutes ago and the presence of mind of the house wasn't exactly there. And then on other sites, they're only on that site for home shopping. So once you start dialing in, for example, the mutual fund of it all, one's a long-term hold, one's a fast hold, but overall, watch the big picture and just stay focused on following up with the client's needs just based on perhaps where it all started. You know, I have never heard anyone describe it as a mutual fund. That is really interesting, right? 
because um, the mutual fund, you're right, you know, uh, the mutual fund's going to have a variety of different securities or stocks or bonds or, or whatnot inside the fund. And every one of them are going to perform um, uh, at a different level, not because, and, and that sometimes is by design. You know, Correct. that's part of the mutual fund, right? You know, they're going to allocate a certain amount of their money and investment in this more aggressive approach and a certain amount in this more conservative approach with the idea that over time, they're going to get a very acceptable return for their shareholders. That, that's brilliant, Sean. That is really brilliant because I, I'm looking at all my leads right now that we have coming in. I'm like, it is a mutual fund. Now, the key is, and, and, and how do, you know, because we're leaders, right? We lead, I lead companies, you lead your, your, your team and uh, amongst others. So how do we get our team members to buy into that, right? Because, you know, that's fine for me and you, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, we got this future fund here. But then all of a sudden the team members, well, I just want to work with the ones that are going to convert tomorrow. And there's a lot of lossage that comes from that type of mentality that you and I have to deal with, right? So, you know, are there certain things that you coach on internally um, within your, your, your team members to make sure that they're, that they're buying into the mutual fund type of mentality and not leaving good, high quality, longer term business, you know, um, you know, not letting it jump out of the boat. Yes, Greg. And one of the uh, main focuses I try to just laser or focus in on is the fact that each lead will have its own timeline. Uh And it's not technically game over until, as they say, it's game over. So Uh although I don't want to say any agent or all agents focus on perhaps the one and done, the maybe just closing on the one they're working on now, the other ones still need to be nurtured. And ironically, one of the things that you and I have probably talked about in different seminars and where we are, but it's been through the ages called farming. And although you hear that word and it's used over and over, if you did kind of break it down to its common denominator, a farmer would have different crops for different reasons that have different prices and different ways of nurturing them. So not all the corn and the beets, you know, and the different lettuce, they may not all be ready at the same time. They may need more or less water, less or more sunshine. But the bottom line is, to answer your question specifically, I try to explain to each agent that if you take care of the land, the leaves, the crops, the, the fruit will be bountiful. And that wow. couples with, you know, Greg, and I know because of your success, you we may view it a little differently, but my point is it's easy to tell somebody how great hitting a home run is or slam dunking a basketball or finishing a marathon. But as I always say, again, another one of my little jokes would be that not everybody can put on a pair of gloves, get in a ring and call themselves a boxer. Mm. There's, there's training, there's hits, there's punches. And all of that practice is what gets those leads to be in my humble opinion from worse to better on a gauge of a lead quality, but they need to stay focused and understand that they will, if they practice, those leads will convert. And so look at the, the going back to your answer or your question, looking at the, uh, the mutual fund or how to keep them focused is know that they will over time produce. Yeah. Just have to, you just have to do the work. Yeah, you know, something that just popped in my head, you know, I'm, I'm just getting all kinds of nuggets from you. And one thing Thank that you. just popped in my head was the lead quality 
probably has more to do with the agent calling the lead than it actually does the lead itself. I agree. You know, because you could have a, a lead that's not qualified, but a, a highly skilled agent would identify that within the first couple of minutes and not be that agent that ends up on an appointment with that lead and then complain, complains that leads stink. Like right. so the quality of that agent would have, or, or the skill sets of that agent would have determined that lead was unqualified very fast, wasted little time, and they wouldn't have like burned, uh, again, their time and their money chasing them. Or there could be high quality leads that sometimes sound like they're not that motivated. Again, a skilled agent can ask the proper questions and identify urgency and motivation, even when it doesn't sound like it, they can pull it out of, of them. So, you know, that, again, another interesting point for, our, for, for, for the audience to kind of take note of. That's, that's pretty solid. Thank um, you. So where do you go from here? Like, you know, I, in, in my conversations with you, you know, when I talk about the future, um, I, I, you seem to be somebody that has desires to grow, but you also don't seem to be the person that says, it's got to look like $700, uh, 700 closed deals in 2021, you know, um, yet at the same token, you don't seem to be putting these crazy big monster goals, but you continue to grow your, your business. Where do you go from here? You're, you've got a nice business in Arizona, you 200 plus transactions, a nice profitable team. Um, what does the next couple of years look like for you? And what are some of the challenges that you see in the industry that maybe some agents that are not as uh, less experienced than you right now, um, you, you know, would need to know about so they can kind of avoid those pitfalls or obstacles? Another great question, Greg. I like to um, put together a game plan. And each, you know, we could say each year, break it down by quarter, look at it long term, short term. But for me personally, I think I'd like to stay on the path where I am. And as you know, turning it up or turning it down is only a matter of, I guess, timing and uh, funding and understanding that what <laughs> whatever you may bite off, you're, you're probably going to have to chew. <laughs> So putting that in, putting that in perspective, I I couldn't be happier than where we are right now. And you're right. Sure, I guess doubling the numbers looks good. Um, you know, with the growth of with the growth of any industry, sometimes it's dollars related to transactions. When you're looking at X amount of dollars, um, there was a time not too many moons ago in in Arizona. I'm going to go 2005, six, and seven, where you know the market fell out from under us, and the average house was up. 80000 on a short sale. Commissions were less than, I guess, what we would call average. Um, and you just kept swinging the bat and taking care of business. Fast forward, a lot of those um, same properties had doubled and tripled. And uh, when you look at it by the numbers, maybe you did the same amount of transactions, but your profit margin or return on investment was, again, much more pleasing to the eye. So for yeah. me personally, I like about where I am. And if I, if I want to change that to, and to answer your beautiful question about, you know, helping agents along, I guess you have to have some kind of plan. It may not be, you know, spend all day focusing on it, but you, you got to know which way you're running because otherwise speed in a direction that's not where you want to go doesn't much help you get to your end destination. Yeah, you know, the more transactions doesn't mean more profit. It can mean more profit, Correct. but it's not, it, it's not a given. It just, 
it, it's not an automatic. If I do more, I actually get more. So that's one of the things I'm taking away. You really just brought something up that I never even thought to ask you, but you're going to have a lot of experience with this. Um, and I think it's important. So there's a lot of fear in the real estate industry right now that the market is going to start softening going down. And I have good friends that are in markets in California where they're seeing some like really declines, you know, and, and I won't say it's crashed like the crazy foreclosure market that we we're in at one time, but right. you know, the market has softened and, and, and they're having to make adjustments. You were in one of the worst market when it crashed, your market was with Miami, your market, maybe Vegas. Um, you guys were like, I think the top three markets. And when it comes to just fell off the face of the earth. You made it though. So for, for agents that have never been through a crash or, and, and, and I'm not saying that there's going to be a crash coming, but for agents that have never dealt with, um, there's a lot of agents in the business right now that have only experienced a market that's increased. Like if they've only been in the business for 10 years, they've only seen a market that's gone up. Right. And so at some points, everything that goes up does come down. What did you learn? What survival tips um, did you develop or learn back in that time that helped you survive? Because I feel like those same types of things will probably help the next agent uh, whenever they have to deal with this. But what are some things that you learned that got you through those hard times? I think two of the main factors, Greg, would be one, much like they say to a boxer, every, everyone has his plan until he gets hit. Mm. So I think you have to have some kind of at least – escape route or defense mechanism to know that, you know, for us personally, an up market or a down market is just a different skill set that you're going to apply to that client, to that transaction. Mm -hmm. So what I tell a lot of agents is whether it's buying or selling or renting, you wear many different hats under your title of real estate agent, broker, system broker, etc. So when when the market shifts, you just want to be able to remember that you do have hypothetically a knowledge, skill set, or a tool shed to bring out and properly address the job task at hand. Yeah. I don't know what it is about you, man. You stimulate a lot of thoughts in my mind. This is, and, I, and if you've listen, ever listened to my podcast and those that are, are, are loyal listeners, I don't say that a lot. But for some reason, maybe it's just the way that you, you translate, you know, it, it resonates with me. But what I just heard is that this, is that um, in a, when the market's different, it just, just means the conversations that we have are different. Correct. So like right now, there's a lot of people that are in great markets and th their presentation can look like this. Oh my gosh, I can get you more money than I could have before. And like they can use that as to stimulate some sort of motivation and whatnot. Like, oh, I can get you more. Right. Um, then in a down market, the conversation is a little bit more like, hey, hey look, I, I, I know we can't get what we want, but I'm here to help protect your equity. I'm here to help. You've got X amount of equity and I want to protect it and make sure that this doesn't diminish anymore, you know? And it's so it's like, it's the same agent. It's the same buyers. It's the same sellers, the same market. But inside of all that, just the dialogue shifts a little bit. So with the shifting market, you must shift the conversation. That's what exactly. I got. Yeah. Exactly, Greg. And it's much like perhaps a boat, and I try to give analogies that the the average person or agent would understand. Sometimes it's smooth sailing, you know, and have a great time out on the lake, and sometimes it's batting down the hatches and just, you know, wait for uh, 
a, a safer passage. But either way, if you have all, if you have your your mindset about you, and you're a professional like we are in the industry, then your primary goal is to find a, I'll say, safest, best alternative to accomplish the goal. Yeah. I just figured out why you strike so many thoughts. <laughs> so for the audience, I think this would be another gold nugget that we never even thought would come out of this, this conversation. And that is, so I'm, I process very visually and you communicate pictures. Like if you notice the audience, if you will notice, take a step back and listen to how Sean talks. Sean talks in pictures. He takes the boat, he takes the this, he takes the that, and, he sh- and so the entire time, I'm seeing you draw this clear picture for me that then helps me, that, which helps your communication land very well with me. And as a side note for all of us, we need to take note of this because what we're just witnessing when it comes to the rapport that Sean and I have here, because we, we, we can't say we're friends because we never really have even met face-to-face, right? We're very right. friendly with each other and, and whatnot, getting to know each other, but we have a good rapport together. We did the first time we actually met on the phone. And um, so it's amazing how rapport can be built through communication. And that's just what I wanted to note because I'm, I'm actually really taking that away from now, from, 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 the, uh, from, the, from the call. You know, Greg, and and just to touch on that a little bit, thank you from the bottom of my heart again. It's all humbling to be able to help people. But one thing that may also help agents in any level of their of their uh, profession is not everybody you're speaking to is truly on the level of terms, acronyms, guidelines, rules, and regulations. So painting perhaps that picture that they can visualize that we would have a common bond with them, even if it's a movie quote or something popular that they can, they can tie into makes it much more understandable, I guess for the listener, which would be your client who ultimately will trust you. But most in today's day and age, especially with your, one of your biggest investments, it's a very difficult thing to ask, at first, using wording that they may not be 100% safe with. Yeah, yeah. Or it's inauthentic. Yes. Uh, at some level. Yeah, it's inauthentic. Well, good, man. Well, listen, this has been a great recording, and I, we, I, we've talked quite a bit of thing, uh, about quite a bit of things. And, uh, you know, we didn't – we always think of here's some questions that we'll talk about, and then it right. goes off the rails, and it usually becomes better than we ever imagined. So thank you for taking the time. You know, I know that, um, you know, like we said in the, at, at some point, online uh, lead generation is um, – and, and working online leads, I love that mutual fund aspect. If anybody ever, you know, wants a, a, a resource for some online leads that's very inexpensive, we talked about that one called Home, um, home ASAP. But I always mm-hmm. say it's homeasap.com. Some people should yep. check that out. But yep. other than that, um, if somebody wants to reach out and send you a referral, for uh, your your marketplace, what's the best te- what's the best way for them to reach out and send you a referral? You know, Greg, what, thank you, and thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'd like if I'm allowed to just say I, thank you, West USA, the firm I'm with. Yeah. I'd also like to thank my team, the Mister Rogers Homes team. Not so much a plug, but from the bottom of my heart, just without the team and without the support. Even, even you and I doing this, it's all really helping each other. Um, I guess, honestly, the best way to reach me, and I joke around about it, that phone is on around the clock. So it's call or text me, 
If I'm allowed to give my number, I yeah, will. Yeah, sure you are. It's, give out whatever sure. you're give out whatever you're willing to, <laughs> to, to, sure. to manage. <laughs> my direct phone number is 480-313-7031. And the other thing I'll say, which is kind of again, I guess the profession picked me, Greg, but you know, being that we go by the Mr. Rogers Homes team, my almost everything I do is Mr. Rogers Homes. So like my website is www spelled out Mr rogershomes.com same thing with facebook and wherever you know but again it's something whether it's comical or it sticks home to true to a you know a long time good feeling well here i am (laughs) yeah well, well i can tell you that myself and my executive assistant stacy weaver we we know you as the mr rogers see like once we once i heard it I couldn't not hear it. It's tough. It's tough. Exactly. And please thank Stacy for me. She is professional to that next level. Oh, I, I will. I will let her know. Well, thank you so much. That's it, audience. Um, please subscribe, comment. We'd love to hear your comments. If you have other guests that you'd like me to put on, you know, just give me some names. I'll reach out to them and see how we can just keep leveling up the Level Up podcast. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.